Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you for your goodness to us. We ask you, Lord, that as we pray, as we gather together this morning, that your spirit will be felt among us. You will be with us, Lord, in a very special way as we put our minds together, as we surrender to you for your service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Your role in taking health evangelism to the community and the world. Welcome to the Amen Conference, uh, linked for service. And you might not know much about me, and so let me um, try to say a little bit about myself. I'm a clinical assistant professor of medicine at the University of North Texas, chief of medicine at Baylor All Saints Medical Center. But what I really want to share with you is who is Earl Bryce? And the, the best way I can think of to share with you a little bit of um, who I am is to tell you a little bit about my childhood, maybe three stories about my development. Firstly, um, I came into this world unto, under some very unfortunate circumstances. When I was about nine months old, I was uh, thrown away by my mother and I ended up on my grandmother's doorstep in a basket. This turned out to be the most significant event in my entire life. My grandmother turned out to be a fantastic Christian, a Seventh-day Adventist who had two passions, a passion for Christ and a passion for education, and she gave me both. She also gave me a very, very strong faith in Jesus Christ. Once my grandmother, who etched out a living by buying and selling what we call then dry goods, shirts, pants, underwear, um, dresses, things like those, she would go to Kingston, the capital of Jamaica. She would buy these things, bring it back to her little town, and she would put a glass case, a little showcase on the front porch. She would put things in that and, that, and she would sell these things. And once she went to Kingston, and in retrospect, I realized now that these things were on sale. They were actually giving these things away. It was a X, 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 extra, extra, extra large thing. She bought about two dozen shirts, two dozen pants, two dozen underwear. Uh, normally, we would sell little things from time to time, and we would be able to buy stuff to eat from this. I understand that there are about one billion people who are what we call food insecure. There was a time in my life when I was numbered among that one billion people. We ate on a daily basis from the things we buy, we buy and sell almost on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. But this time, nobody would come to buy these things. You see, back then, 
most Jamaicans were poor, and poor people in Jamaica are underweight, not overweight as we see now in North America, where most 60%, 66% of us are, are overweight, whether you're rich or poor. And you know, one week would pass, a second week would pass, a third week would pass, and there were no sales. And things were getting very, very um, slim, as you would say, in the home. And my, my grandmother, I would say to her, why do you buy these things? Nobody's going to, no, there's nobody who can fit into these clothes. I remember as a little boy, I must have been around seven years of age, I would take the pants and I'd extend my arm fully like this, and you could, it was that big. And my grandmother would say to me, Errol, God told me to buy this clothes. And he will provide someone to buy all of this. Don't worry about it. Well, that week, for the first time in my entire life, I went to school bare feet, without shoes because there, my shoes had completely been destroyed. I walked it out, there were holes in it, I couldn't hold it up anymore, and I had to make a decision of going to school bare feet or staying home. I went to school. Well, I came home one Friday. I remember the Friday morning, actually, in worship that morning, she said, be sure to come home so you can go to the store. I said, Mama, we, we don't have any money. We haven't had any money for three weeks. Why should I come home early? I could play cricket. And uh, she said, no, you have to come home like you always do. And we usually come home. We usually buy things for Sabbath on a Friday evening, get her all the clothes and house ready for Sabbath. Well, I came home like an obedient little boy. And as I walked in, I noticed that showcase with those clothes, it was completely empty. I said, Mama, what happened? She said, well, I prayed this morning and I doubled the price. You what? I doubled the price and I prayed this morning. And God sent someone. Here is money. Buy yourself a pair of shoes. One for church. Buy another pair for school. I've never had two pairs of shoes before. There was enough money to buy shoes, to buy clothes. It was amazing. Friends, I experienced hundreds of those stories growing up. I know there's a God who provides. That's Errol Bryce in a nutshell. The objectives of this conference, one, we will review the concept of health evangelism. We'll review an argument for health evangelism. We'll discuss methods of implementation. Understand how to take health evangelism to your community. You will see your role very clearly. And we'd ask you to commit to a pilot program. We're going to assume a number of things going into this conference. One, God knows what He's doing. Number two, God can be trusted. Number three, that God has a plan. And fourth, God communicates His plans through the Bible and through the pen of inspiration. 
Let me start by outlining this mandate. Medical Ministry, page 259. And this was written in 1899. We face momentous times in the closing days of Earth's history. The gospel of health is to be firmly linked with the ministry of the Word. It is the Lord's design that the restoring influence of health reform shall be part of the last great effort to proclaim the gospel message. At this conference you'll hear a lot about medical evangelism. As I prayed and fasted, I, the term health evangelism seemed to be a, a more relevant term for today. Having read this passage, the gospel of health is to be firmly linked to the ministry of word. And so I coined the term health evangelism. I think this is much better than medical evangelism. Then I recognize there are a lot of people using the same term, health evangelism. Um, Dr. Elvin Adams on his book, Handbook of Health Evangelism, he also used that terminology. Now, with this mandate, we face a crisis in the world. There is a phenomenon called globesity. There is a global epidemic of obesity and diabetes as we go forward. Um, this body, I don't need to explain to you the tremendous increase in the rates of, um, of obesity. Now, in the United States, we are up to 66% in my country, Jamaica, I think it's about 6 or 7%. It is uh, unbelievable. Now, we live in a toxic society where more and more you're seeing the deterioration of the quality of food. More and more pe people are eating themselves to, to death as we go forward. Medical Ministry, page 25, says the intemperance of every kind has taken the world captive. And it is in this context that there's a ship that is leaving port. There's a company in South Africa called Vitality. And this is their, their logo. And Vitality just re received an award from the CDHC Solutions Magazines. It's a superstar award for people who come up with innovative programs that are extremely successful. Vitality was able to demonstrate through their programs that they can reduce hospital admissions and hospital stay rates by 10 to 20 percent. Insurance claims from Vitality members are reduced from 10 to 15 percent. It's amazing, people like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Alcon and a lot of these uh, large companies have now employed Vitality to reduce their cost. There's an interesting comment from Arthur C. Carlos, the CEO of the Vitality Group. He said, we Americans, or rather our lifestyles, lie at the heart of rising medical costs and the problem will not be solved until we are required to take personal accountability for the way we choose to live. William Frist, Senator William Frist, um, presented recently at the North Texas Specialty Physicians Retreat, and in it he made a number of predictions. 
I find his first um, prediction extremely interesting. His thought is that the single most promising solution to drive down anticipated healthcare costs over the next um, 10 years will be the new world of genetic manipulation to counterbalance detrimental behavior. In other words, a pill to change behavior. Believe it or not, the Senate is looking into this. If you look at the factors that um, contribute to longevity, genetics account for 30%. Environment exposure, only 5%. Behavior is a whopping 40%. And if you combine behavior with health care, it's 50%. The next question that we face, according to William Phillips, um, William, Senator William Frist, can a molecule be found to do the same thing as caloric restriction? In other words, we're overeating, we're eating ourselves to death. And the big question is, can we find a pill to do the same thing as caloric restriction? And how it's in Sinclair in Nature 2003 uh, published um, some data suggesting that resveratrol extend the life of yeast. We've seen um, a 20 to 60 percent increase in lifespan by using resveratrol. Resveratrol is the you find in the skin of red grapes, also in red wine. This has been shown to increase the longevity of uh, nematodes from 10 to 35 percent, rats from 20 to, 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 to 30 percent. Now, so there is some hope that we can take a pill and change behavior. However, this is frightening that Instead of trying to change behavior, we're trying to find a pill. What's important here is that we face a crisis. It's a financial crisis that's going to drive the need to change behavior. The Bureau of Economic Analysis, uh, McKinsey Analysis as well, published this data that the average Fortune 500 company spends more on health benefits than it earns in profit. And so Senator William Frist came to the conclusion that the fact is we don't know how to change behavior. And this is our opportunity. There's a ship leaving port right now. If we can get back on board now, we can move this world. If you look at the Chinese symbol for crisis, there are two symbols, one that says danger, the other that says opportunity. This crisis that is facing the world creates a tremendous opportunity for the church. At this time, we, the, the daily rate, and I might be wrong with these numbers, but I took the birth rate for the year, divided it by 365, and this was done by my buddy, um, 
Oscar, who helped me with these PowerPoint slides. And we came to 11,338, and I hope these numbers are right. Our baptism rate, I think, is somewhere around two, 3,000 a day. We will never catch up at the rate we're, we're, we're doing. It's a tremendous challenge to finish the work so we can go home. Using Christ's method, the disciples in the then world was able to take the gospel to everyone at that time. And we faced the same challenge. Robert C. Higgins, who wrote the book on the analysis of financial management, made an interesting comment. Before I make this comment, let me, let me tell you a story. There's a man who wanted, uh, there, uh, there's this company, this, this large Fortune 500 company, who wanted a CEO. And they found this CEO of a very small company and offered him the job. And he had to learn as much as he could from about the large company. He could talk to all the, the, the workers there, he could talk to the CEO, he could talk to different people, but he had to get information very quickly for his first interview. And what he did was he asked for the company's finances. Robert C. Higgins' analysis uh, in his book, Analysis for Financial Management, said a company's finances and the operations are integrally connected. The challenge we face today is that our church has not caught the vision of health evangelism. We have a lot of programs. And if you want to see where we put our emphasis, just look at our, the way we spend our money. We have some fantastic leaders at the North American Division. We have a leader that's doing a tremendously good, fantastic job in promoting health evangelism. We have a conference in Orlando, in Loma Linda, that have just fantastic programs where you can go and learn about health evangelism. But in the North American division, we have two people in the whole Department of Health. We have the director and his secretary. I'm from Texas. And if you follow the Texas line down, at the union level, we have some tremendous leaders that are on fire for evangelism. We're doing a fantastic job in leadership. Texas is a, a state where the work is growing. The union is growing tremendously. But in the health department, there is zero personnel in that department. Over the last two or three years, we've had um, a buffet of ministry conference at the local um, um, hotel here. And for the last two years, there were no programs on health evangelism. Last year, um, there was a program where Gwen Foster was invited in, um, as well as uh, Win Wellness. Uh, and we thank God for that, um, that start, and the, we thank the leaders for, for bringing that. But prior to this, there was zero program on health evangelism. There, there was zero, uh, there's no individual in that job. At the conference level, we have 
in the regional conference, there's actually no one playing that role. We have an education person who is under his portfolio, but, but, but there's no individual just for health department. In the Texas conference, um, we have one pastor who doubles in that role, uh, but there's no one at the conference level. Now, uh, we've had a new person who've just come in. These are all fantastic leaders. We have a tremendous um, leadership in, in our presidents there. We're doing a very good job in both conferences. But we're just talking about that usually uh, where you look at the finances, if you want to see where the church or the company is putting its priority. Now, Albert Einstein gives this definition of insanity. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If we are going to get different results, if we're going to create an explosion of healthy vasculars in this church, we must do things differently. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 10 says, The duller the acts, the harder the work. Use your brain. The more brains the less muscle. This is the message version. And so we look at the divine plan. Medical ministry, page 24 says, no one man's mind or judgment is to be your criterion for what constitutes genuine medical missionary work or health evangelism. I've read the divine plan, that chapter in medical mystery, over and over again. I've prayed and I've fasted. And recently, or a year ago, I went to the Amen Conference, and David DeRose put a slide uh, on the screen where he said, sanitariums are the best way of doing health evangelism. And he said he did not know what that meant. We want to follow God's will, but some of these things, we do not know what these things mean and how to incorporate it. I spoke with uh, our general conference personnel. And I said, is there a position paper, is there a unified plan to, get, to, to propagate healthy vaseline throughout the world? And really, there is none. And we all struggle. We have lots of programs, but there is no program available where we can use this to get to the entire world. And it appears to be that this is something that we will have to do before the time is over. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9, page 218 says, I wish to tell you that soon there will be no work done in ministerial lines but medical missionary work. In other words, health evangelism is the only thing we'll be doing before time ends and we go home to be with Christ. And so we've looked at the formation of a position paper, a war plan. And the way to do it is to have many people putting ideas into this plan, contributing to a position paper so we can go forward. Lincoln had the idea just before the Civil War. He went to a cottage not too far from the White House, and there he wrote a position paper or a war plan that guided the Civil War. So this is the same concept 
Instead, God is saying to us that not one person is to do it, but a number of individuals. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. We need doctors, nurses, allied health workers to join together with pastors, members of the church. We have trainers training the trainers as we multiply people understanding this um, role and taking this forward. Councils to Teachers, uh, page 468. This was also cited in Evangelism, page 530. And this was written in 1913. It says, The Lord has ordained that with those who preach the word shall be associated his medical missionary workers. Christian physicians and nurses who have received special training in the healing of diseases and in soul winning. And when um, you look at the Roper study, where they ask the question, who do you trust most? You understand why God inspired us to do this. They looked at 20 different um, careers, um, TV reporters, new new newspaper reporters, judges, military officers, druggists, and, so, and you ask people to rate um, and give a percentage of um, who do you trust most? Nurses came on top. Druggists were number two. Military officers, number three. Medical doctors, number four. And in the top ten, it was very clear that health was on four of the seven um, top careers were health-related. If you ask the question, who tells the truth? In the Harris survey, doctors were number one. So little by little, God who knows, how we, little by little, we're seeing how this is done. God who knows how, how men, men's minds work is saying to us, put health first. People will listen to us. Again and again, I have been instructed that the medical missionary work is to bear the same relation to the work of the third angel messages that the arm and the hand bear to the body. Under the direction of the divine head, they are to work unitedly in preparing the way for the coming of Christ. The right arm of the body of truth is to be constantly active, constantly at work, and God will strengthen it. Here lies the how. Again and again, I have been instructed. I understand on some campuses now, they're saying that Ellen G. White was only inspired in some things, and there are some things where, some other things were just her opinion. But here it says, again and again, I have been instructed more than once. The right arm of the body of truth is to be constantly active, constantly at work. What does this mean? One thing we do know is that Christ's method is the way to go. Jesus went about all Galilee, Matthew 4, 22-25. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, 
of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. The result of this? And his fame went throughout all Syria, and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Keywords, teaching, preaching, and healing. It is said over and over that Christ spent more time healing than he spent preaching. Ministry of Healing, page 143 says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as, as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy to them. He ministered to their needs and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. It appears as if what we do need is, one, we have to satisfy needs. We have to mingle with the people. We have to become their friends. And secondly, we need to use health. Healing has to be an integral part of this. But friends, as we go forward, it is very important that we understand that we need humility. We must have our own personal victory. Humility is, is important if health evangelism is to go forward. Doctors must esteem pastors greater than themselves. I said it again. Doctors must be humble enough to esteem pastors greater than themselves. Pastors must be humble enough to esteem doctors greater than themselves. Say that again. Pastors must be humble enough to esteem doctors greater than themselves. Only as we find two humble men working together with this accomplished. That transformation has to be within us before we can go forward. Cooperation among pastors, doctors, nurses, and allied health professionals. If we do that, we can go forward. Also, we must find victory in our own personal, healthy lifestyle. There's no way we can go forward eating our red meat as pastors and doctors and, and, and yet expect people to adopt a plant-based diet. There's no way we can go forward 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, yet we're asking people to be healthy. We ourselves must gain victory in our own personal lifestyle. We must struggle. We must find ways of overcoming, uh, finding ways to overcome. And as we do that, through our personal testimony, we can help others um, overcome. And so we are encouraging the formation of health evangelism advocate leaders, health advocates, as part of our methodology. We're hoping that at the general conference level, we would have maybe 12 advocates. At the, at the division level, we would have another 12. At the union level, we would have 12. At the conference level, we'll have 12 more. At the, at, the, at the level of the churches, we'd have, um, each church would have 12, with have multiples of, of two. But how do we get these advocates? Advocates at the general conference, advocates at the union, advocates at the, the conference, advocates in the local churches. 
we're suggesting that we start and incorporate a trainer training program. We have these people go to, to uh, set up pilot programs in churches. If we have um, these advocates forming pilots, testing this at the level of the church, we think at the level of the church, every church should be a center for health. Every church should be a community center of health. Every church should be a community center of health. And so by doing this, using Christ's method, we form friendship. We satisfy needs and we point people to Christ. We have tremendous sources in our churches. The Health Summit um, in Orlando, I had the privilege of attending this and I was just surprised to see how many programs we have already in place. We just need somebody to create a link and take these programs to our churches. Health Summit West right here in Loma Linda, they had this program recently. There was a Breed Free program, the Charters program, where every church is a community health center. There's a Creation Health program. There's a Chip Corner Health Improvement Project uh, program. There's a Living Free, Finding Freedom from Habits That Hurt, that hurt. Um, Vicki Griffins from, from Michigan, um, Win Wellness Evangelism. A fantastic program that we're using now in our pilot in Texas at the Forest Hill Church. Um, this with the, the Youngbergs who created this fantastic program. There is uh, the Depression Recovery Program with Neil Nedley, a fantastic program where we have Pro Prozacs and antidepressants are among the, the, the um, fastest selling drugs. Health Expos, I had the pleasure of um, presenting um, a health expo at our church with tremendous result. Uh, this is done by Charles Cleveland with Health Education Resources. Fantastic, 15 days to lower blood pressure naturally by Deshay. Uh, grief Recovery, um, Arlington Seventh-day Adventist Church in, uh, in Arlington, Texas is using this with tremendous results. A, a, a church that is growing tremendously the programs do exist, but how do we take these programs to the church? Now, doctors, I'm saying that we can use the same method that the Marines use. The Marines go in first. They're the first to hit the beach. They were the first to go in in Iraq. And the Marine says, give me a few good men. We're using the same methods. And I'm thinking that just like the Marines, the physicians, the nurses, the dentists, the allied health workers can play the roles of the Marines. But Christ is saying, not like the Marines where they're asking for a few good men, we're asking for a few humble men. Men who are willing to surrender, to be committed. Men who are willing to be taught by Jesus. To go to these programs, learn how to administer this program, take it back to your church and start a pilot program.
Let me tell you a little bit of what we've been doing in Texas. Um, before I do that, let me tell you a little bit about um, the issue with funding. Funding is, is one of the areas that we're finding problems with our position paper. And I hope you'll get a chance to read the position paper. I hope you'll get a chance to email me comments. Now, Zeno Charles Marcel, commenting on funding, had this to say. Life as we know it today will not last much longer. Lifestyle changes are being foisted on us through circumstances beyond our immediate control. We either decide to change now and thrive, or we are, or we are changed by the forces around us and suffer unnecessarily. In other words, if we change our lifestyles a little bit, rearrange our priorities, we might be able to fund ourselves as we volunteer as health advocates to, take, to create a link in taking this program from Orlando, from Loma Linda, to our churches. And so we might have to fund ourselves as we go forward. Faith is necessary. God will provide. The God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills still owns those cattle. He will provide for us. So we need pilots. Pilots where pastors, members, and health workers cooperate with God to get this set up. Let me tell you about a little bit of our pilot program in Texas. We started by incorporating what we call a 36-hour fast, upper room experience. Doug Batchelor came and he made it very clear that without prayer and fasting, without putting the Holy Spirit first and foremost, these programs will, will, will come to naught. Nothing will happen without the Holy Spirit. So we encourage churches to set up upper room experience. We, you do something like a 36-hour 30 fast, where from, from Thursday um, evening until potluck on Sabbath, we eat nothing. You get together, give testimonies, create a, a singing program, a testimony program around it, pray together for these 36 hours for God to change the hearts. Without the hearts changing, these programs will mean nothing. Another thing that we did, we created health nuggets. So every program in the church for three minutes there is a health nugget so before the divine service or during the divine service before the sermon there's a three-minute talk on health before sabbath school there's a three-minute talk on health before a prayer meeting there's a three-minute talk on health before ay there's a three-minute talk on health we gather a roster of speakers and we create a, 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 a speaker's forum as we go forward. And people, they've been doing a very good job as we go forward. We had a health expo using Cleveland Charles, um, um, Charles Cleveland's um, health expo material. Tremendous success. Uh, Elvin Adams wrote the Best Way Weight Loss Program. 
and we're now using this, we're beginning to use this now in, um, in Forest Hill, we're preparing for this. We're now in the middle of a 40-day health challenge. Earlier this year, we piggybacked the VBS program with a new step seminar on health. So there's a health seminar for the adults while the kids go to the, um, the, the VBS uh, program. Uh, tremendous success as we go forward. So friends, let me summarize. What we need is trainers training the trainers. And we think doctors, nurses, dentists, and allied health workers are the best people, the, the Marines, to go in first to get this done. So we're setting up pilots here in Texas. We're hoping that we have multiplication of these pilots over Texas. We're hoping that we can start this in their Inter-American Division. We're hoping that the Central Jamaica Conference will get started. We're having problems um, trying to initiate this and it will, we're trying to see if we can get it started in Texas first and the lessons that we can learn for this we can take it to um, the Central Jamaica Conference. I spoke with Milton Gregory, the Union Health Director. We uh, told him about our plans and they're very receptive to this. What we're hoping is that we have these pilots and by the force of results, by the force of baptisms, by the growth of the churches, the union, the, the conference will take um, note. We'll have a conference-wide expansion of pilots. The union and the division will take this up. And we're hoping that in a year or two, we can take it to the annual council. And we can say, here we have a paper, a position paper. Here are the results. Let's have a, a united program to take health evangelism throughout the world. Let me make some closing um, points. Ministry of Healing, page 143. There is a need of coming close to the people by personal effort. If less time were given to sermonizing and more time were spent in personal ministry, greater results would be seen. The poor are to be revealed. The sick cared for. Sorry, the poor are to be relieved, the sick care for, the soaring and the bereaved comforted, the ignorant instructed, the inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice, accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God. This work will not cannot be without fruit. Christ is coming soon. We have a mandate. We must take health evangelism to every church, to every conference, to every division. We must take this work forward. Educate, educate, educate. Trainers, training trainers, and your role as doctors, you're the ones with the brains, you're the ones with who, who they threw a lot of biochemistry and physiology, and you were able to assimilate all of this and still got A's. 
you can go forward and unite with pastors, unite with elders, unite with the church workers, and we go forward. We need humble doctors to go forward. As we pray to close, we want you to consider starting a pilot in your conference. Take this back to your church. We want to stay together. We want to be able to coordinate a network where we can share ideas and so we can help to finish the work. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for these ideas that you've given to us. Thank you for all the doctors and dentists and health workers who have come today. We ask, Lord, that you'll change us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. As we make commitments today, we ask you to give us the strength. And as we go forward, surrendering to you, we thank you for what you're doing. And we look forward to the day when you will come back in the clouds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.